Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today it's the Hey Mary Kay edition of the pod and we go through her Sunday Insider column that went up on Cleveland.com slash Browns and talk about some of the reporting she did on David Njoku, uh, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, lots of stuff here today on the podcast. Now, we're going to have podcasts coming to you all week uh, from the Combine in Indianapolis. So you want to make sure you're, you're getting ready for those. And you want to become a Football Insider subscriber because we'll have lots of content coming your way from Indianapolis. We'll text things, put things in our daily newsletter. And of course, there'll be stories on cleveland.com slash Browns that you have to be a subscriber to read. So go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get info, get signed up. All right, here we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Tuesday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Combine week, we'll have a podcast coming to you every day. But for this one, uh, it is our usual Hey MK podcast. And we are recording it, Mary Kay, before you and I uh, are heading to Indianapolis. So uh, it's a Monday afternoon as we're recording this. So uh, let's get to it. And let's just kind of go through this insider column that you posted on Sunday uh, and hit all these topics. And let's just start with Jarvis Landry. Uh, of course, this is kind of the week when Andrew Barry is going to sit down and meet with a bunch of agents, kind of hammer a lot of these things out. And one of the things to watch is Jarvis Landry and a possible restructuring of his deal. How realistic, Mary Kay, do you think it is that Jarvis Landry is still a Cleveland Brown? Uh, let's say two weeks from now, the new league year starts March 16th, but that, that tampering period opens March 14th. Two weeks from now, how likely do you think it is that Jarvis Landry is still a Cleveland Brown? Well, I'm saying there's a chance because if Jarvis really does want to stay in Cleveland, like he said he did in his Twitter rant last week, then uh, he has that opportunity. And if the Browns structure the deal in such a way that he can make up most of the money uh, that they sort of, you know, take away from him in terms of the restructure, if he can make that back through playtime incentives and uh, performance incentives, then, you know, maybe he would be open to staying. And, you know, we know he's pretty established here. Uh, he seems to like it here a lot, uh, you know, the community and all of that sort of thing. So uh, I think there is a chance, even though it feels like goodbye, I think the Browns will try to put forth some kind of a deal that makes him want to stay. Then the ball will be back in Jarvis's court. He will have to decide if he's willing to accept the restructure. Now, some guys take it, you know, personally. Now, in the, in the case of Sheldon Richardson last year, he didn't want to take less money than he was supposed to make. And so he left and went to Minnesota. 
Now, in the case of Jack Conklin, for instance, they restructured his deal and made it so that he went from no guaranteed money on a $12 million deal to $8 million in guaranteed with the opportunity to make up the other four. If they do something like that with Jarvis, who has no guaranteed money right now in his 16.379 cap hit, except for, well, the, the prorated signing bonus uh, is, is guaranteed. But, uh, you know, the, the 14 something that he has that's not guaranteed if they give him a bunch of guaranteed money up front and then give him those incentives, I'm saying, let's not say never right now. It's, it's probably 60% that he's gone and maybe 40% that he's back, but there's a decent chance they can work something out. How much of this discussion is, hey, that's great, all this guaranteed money, but who's my quarterback? It's a good question. That is a really good question. Um, I think that um, I think the who's my quarterback discussion is going to end with the answer that it's Baker Mayfield. Right now, I think that's going to be uh, the number one option for the Cleveland Browns at this moment. And I'm sure obviously it will come up and Jarvis is going to need some reassurances that um, that the passing game is going to be more explosive, that he's going to get more targets and that, um, you know, that, that Baker Mayfield is going to be healthy enough to get the job done because the one time we did talk to him uh, after OBJ left, he did say, Hey, as receivers, we're just doing all the, we're all doing the best we can with an injured quarterback. So if he is confident that Baker Mayfield will be back to the second half version of 2020, that Baker Mayfield, uh, once he's healthy next season, then, you know, maybe he will consider it. Uh, but he also watched his best friend leave and go get a Super Bowl ring. And I think right now when these, you know, guys getting up there in their careers, they want that. That's what they want. They want to win a championship. That's what it's all about. So I think that he's going to want some reassurances that uh, the Baker's going to be good, that the offense is going to feature receivers more, uh, that there will be at least one or two other receivers that can complement him and get this passing game where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, okay. So Jarvis has made a lot of money, right? He, he signed that big extension and obviously, look, money talks in this league. It talks for everybody. But he is 30 years old. You mentioned the Odell thing, how he saw his best friend leave and go win a Super Bowl. I, I do wonder, like, if, if part of this for Jarvis is going to be if, if he'd be willing to sacrifice money, if it meant he could go someplace else, if he doesn't believe Baker's the guy. Yeah. You know what? Unfortunately for us, we never had a chance to interview Jarvis Landry and try to pick his brains about some of these issues. And I've heard conflicting reports. I've heard some people say he's still a huge Baker supporter. I've hear, heard other people behind the scenes say, mm, not so sure, but look, Baker was injured last year. So I think that, uh, that Jarvis is going to need uh, to have some kind of confidence that Baker's going to be back to where he needs to be and that they're probably going to draft a receiver in the first round. So Jarvis will be supported by uh, you know, a Garrett Wilson or a Drake London or a Traylon Burks or somebody like that. And then maybe one other top-notch receiver that they sign in free agency or something like that. If he could get a, a comfort level and a confidence level with that, then, um, then I think he will consider it. But I do think that part of it is going to be the discussion of, are we going to get the ball more? 
Are we going to feature the receivers more? I think that's going to be as much of the discussion as it will be. Can Baker Mayfield get us the ball? Because Baker Mayfield has gotten the ball to Jarvis in the past when Baker has been healthy. So he knows uh, that Baker has that really good version of himself. Nobody saw it last year, uh, but I think the Browns are still confident that he can be that guy and they have to make sure, and Jarvis just has to make sure he believes it too. Okay. So we, we've kind of danced around it, but the next point in, uh, in your insider column from Sunday, uh, and you can see it at cleveland.com slash Browns is Baker Mayfield and a little update on where he's at rehab wise is that he's ahead of schedule, which of course is very good news. He had that surgery on January 19th. Uh, he's in Austin rehabbing. So, you know, again, another meeting that Andrew Barry's going to have, as you mentioned, is with Baker Mayfield's reps in Indianapolis, kind of gauge the, the temperature of the room. Uh, and in your last paragraph here, you say, with Mayfield heading into his fifth-year option at $18.86 million, the Browns will explore all available veteran and rookie quarterbacks, and this will come as no surprise to Mayfield and his camp. Uh, that's why it's good he's off social media right now. We should probably all just be off social media right now. I think that would be good for all of us. So if Andrew Barry sits down with Baker's reps and says, all right, we're still confident Baker's our starter in 2022, but we're also really interested in the plan B option. So a Mitch Trubisky, a Marcus Mario, whoever it is, you know, mm-hmm. Jameis Winston, I don't know. How do you think Baker and his reps react to that scenario? Or, I mean, we can throw in the draft pick too, because I think most of these draft picks would sort of be a not come in and start right away type of guy. Okay, let's start with the with the plan B option. And that is, once again, we have thrown Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota into that category. So in that scenario, uh, I think Baker would be okay with that one. He wouldn't love it. Uh, and he might, you know, he is, uh, you know, a very passionate guy. And, uh, and I don't think he would think that that was an ideal situation, but I think that's one in which he feels like he can come in here and 100% stave off that person and keep his starting job and be very successful in 2022. And I think it would be, uh, I think it would be presented to him in that way as well, where, Hey, look, you know, we have to bring in a Mitch, we've got to bring in a Marcus or somebody like that in the event that things don't work out or we have to plan for the future. You're our guy for 2022. There's not an open competition in training camp. That's not what this is about. It's your job, you know, go out and do it. I think he would handle that okay. And I think his reps would handle that okay. I don't think that's a, hey, find another home for me kind of a situation right there. Same thing with a rookie quarterback. I don't think there is an obvious starter right away in this draft. And I don't even, you know, again, we, we're doing these weekly mock drafts and I started out with Malik Willis. Truth of the matter is he's probably either going to be gone by 13 or the Browns aren't going to be, you know, all that interested in him in, at 13, probably um, things could change, but, you know, I still think that's going to be a quarterback uh, pick at number 13. Um, but in the event that they did draft a quarterback, first round, second round, third round, wherever. That's also not a deal breaker. That, is, that also, in my mind, isn't Baker Mayfield saying, okay, that's it, get me out of here. I think that's a Jimmy Garoppolo situation where they say, where he says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be the best version of myself this year. And I'm going to take this team deep into the playoffs and no rookie is coming in here 
and taking my job away. I, I want to clarify one thing. You said uh, you think that'll be a quarterback pick still at 13. Did you mean wide receiver? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, I meant, that's, yes, that's sorry what I thought. I just, yeah. want to, just want to clean that up. Yes. Um, yeah, so the other, the other piece of this is the, promo, the Drew Petzing promotion um, and, and you know how that impacts Baker. More so just kind of having a guy who's committed to, you know, Alex Van Pelt was sort, sort of pulling double duty there. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a few ways to look at it. Uh, you know, Drew is a guy that I think Kevin really wanted to bring with him to Cleveland. I think he's a guy that he really likes. He obviously interviewed for an offensive coordinator position. Mm -hmm. So I, I think a promotion there is prob was probably necessary in a way. But also, you know, and, and maybe he views Drew as a, like the future offensive coordinator of this team. I, I don't know about that, but maybe that's sort of the light he views him in. So having that dedicated coach, though, and, you know, a guy who's younger, I think Petzing is maybe what, like 34, 35, something like that. Having a guy who's younger, kind of an up and comer in the league, that, that's probably all good for whoever they, they end up having as their quarterback, especially, uh, you know, but especially for Baker. Yes, absolutely. This is the first step in committing resources to the quarterback room and saying, we know that we need to get the quarterback and the passing game up to 2022 standards. We know that we have to restore Baker Mayfield's confidence. We know we have to do everything we can to get him to play his best football because truthfully, you know it and I know it. He played his worst football. I think his worst football of his career in 2021. So they need to pick him up off the mat and get him uh, back to being a playoff contending quarterback. So this is the first piece in that to commit a quarterback coach to him. And some of it is, as you mentioned, the fact that Drew had an opportunity. He got an OC interview with Josh McDaniels and, um, and, you know, I think they did need to sweeten the pot a little bit. So there are a few factors at play, but it's just also an opportunity to, to say, okay, Hey, Alex, you can look at the, you know, you get the big picture of this offense and we're going to give Baker and whoever else is in the room their own quarterbacks coach. Now, one interesting dynamic about this is the fact that Baker is pretty close to T.C. McCartney. Okay, he really likes T.C. and T.C. was his basically the assigned to quarterbacks. He was the quarterback assistant, even though Alex Van Pelt was the quarterbacks coach. T.C. assisted him and Baker grew pretty close to TC. So there was part of me that was thinking, well, this is kind of odd. Why, why wouldn't you make TC the quarterback's coach and, you know, and leave Drew. But I think that's where the part comes in. Drew was in line for a promotion here. I mean, you, you're not going to be able to keep him here in Cleveland as the tight ends coach. They needed to do something to try to keep him. So I, I think it works for everybody. Um, you know, Baker will have to get used to him as his quarterback's coach, but you know, he, he's very like-minded with Kevin, worked with Kevin and the quarterbacks in Minnesota. Uh, so I think that should work out fine. And then the other thing that this does is it, it also frees up Alex Van Pelt. It frees up Alex Van Pelt a little bit, not just to oversee the entire offense, but in the event, and I have no idea if he's thinking about doing this or not, but in the event, Kevin Stefanski uh, would consider turning play calling duties over to Alex Van Pelt. Uh, now he doesn't have to worry about also coaching the quarterbacks every minute of the day. So it kind of, you know, brings that into play. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's some optics there and, and some politics there where you almost can't say, you know, Hey, we're going to make, we're going to move TC McCartney ahead of all these people. I mean, you could, 
but that that sort of sends a, a ripple effect to a coaching staff that has been pretty stable um, kind of throughout the, this two years, or even, even after last year's adversity, uh, remain pretty stable. Okay, here's the big here's the big bullet point, and you threw this at us at, at a podcast last week, and, and it stopped us all in our tracks. This was uh, the Browns making a run at Aaron Rodgers. That's not the that's not the big one. And then you threw out the name Tom Brady. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think we'll probably get some clarity on that situation soon. It sounds like a lot of people believe he's just going to stay, end up staying in Green Bay. Uh, you know, we'll see. Tom Brady is interesting. He's retired. Uh, the Bucks, of course, control his rights. So I, I guess how realistic would it be if, like, there were rumblings of a Tom Brady comeback that the Browns could, could get in the mix for him? Because I would think that he'd want to go someplace like, you know, maybe go back to San Francisco or something. But again, I don't know if the Bucks would be willing to say, oh, yeah, sure, we'll let you go to San Francisco. That's fine. Uh, you know, I get, there, there's a lot of complications there if you wanted to come back. There, there, are a lot of comp- there are a lot of complications, as you mentioned. But if he states his intentions that he wants to come out and play football in 2022 and not retire, then – uh, then I think that absolutely 100% the Browns have to at least inquire. I mean, I mean, you have to, if, if you were running the Cleveland Browns right now, Dan, and you were in the situation that they are in and Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time, if you had an opportunity to land him, you would make that phone call. You would make that phone call. I would make that phone call. Now, does it mean that it's, super realistic, super fragilistic. <laughs> does it mean that, um, you know, does it mean that this, you know, has a legit chance of happening? Probably not. I mean, really Tom Brady coming to Cleveland, you know, probably not going to happen for, you know, a number of different reasons, money, um, the, you know, the Bucks rights and all those things that you mentioned, but I will tell you what, if he's going to come back, he's going to want to come back and, try to win the Super Bowl, right? And I believe that the Browns are in a plug and play situation right now. I believe that if you plug a, an elite quarterback like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers into this football team, that you will be challenging for a Super Bowl. They've got the defense. They've got the offensive line. They've got the running game, right? I mean, they need, they need a really good pass catcher. Uh, so, you know, maybe you restructure Jarvis. I mean, I'll tell you. Jarvis, if, uh, if Tom Brady's coming, Jarvis isn't going anywhere, right? Um, you know, so this is one of those situations where, you know, even though they're meeting with Jarvis this week, if, I mean, it might be sort of like, okay, well, let's, let's hang on and wait to see what happens with the quarterback situation before, you know, before we make a decision. And if, you know, if, if you do do something like that, then it, then it could change uh, the whole dynamic of everything. But I think that they, that they would have to do this because once again, they have everything that they need to win a Super Bowl right now, except for elite quarterback play, which maybe they can get that from Baker Mayfield this year. Um, and a couple of really good receivers. You put those things in this offense and you're good to go. Yeah. And look, I think the bigger point here is whatever the name, if somebody's available and the Browns can get in the mix, they have to call. And yeah. they have to at least see, one, how realistic it is, and two, is it something they want to do? 
to Sean Watson, right? You have to at least make that call. Now, if you're just going to make the call to say you did it and you just don't want to take on all the off-field issues and the, the risk of him not being able to play next year and like, that's fine. But, you know, Russell Wilson, you got to make that call. Kyler Murray, okay, his agent releasing a huge statement today is kind of like, yeah, I don't know if maybe I want to deal with all that. But still, you, th- those are phone calls you have to make because you're not in a position anymore where you can just assume Baker's going to be the guy that can take you where you need to get to. And you don't want to be here a year from now and be eight and nine again because you, didn't, you weren't willing to put yourself out there and take a risk at quarterback. Right. I mean, they absolutely have to do all of that. And look, if Baker Mayfield, I mean, they're not doing that in Buffalo, right? I mean, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that in Buffalo. I mean, you've got your guy. You've obviously got your guy and he is wrapped up to a long-term contract. I don't even think you need to be doing this in Baltimore, even though uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't have his extension signed yet. I mean, maybe you do, but probably not doing it there. You're not doing this Obviously, in Kansas City, you're not doing it in with the Chargers. Um, but the Cleveland Browns, and here's the reality of the situation, no matter who doesn't want to hear it. Baker Mayfield is heading into the final year of his contract, his fifth-year option year. That never happens. Since 2011, no quarterback has gone into his fifth-year option year, played it out, and have become the quarterback the following year. It has not happened. So he would be the outlier. This would be the first time it's going to happen. And, uh, and he is coming off, like I said, the worst season of his career. And he was 27th in the NFL in quarterback rating. So for anybody to wonder why the Browns might pick up the phone and inquire about, you know, a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins or a Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a Matt Ryan or a Mitch Trubisky or a Tom Brady, well, then you're, you're just not willing to look at the truth right now. You're not dealing in reality. They have to do it. They probably don't look out there and see that anything seems completely legit, realistic, this can happen type of thing, unless it's maybe like a Mitch Trubisky sort of thing when he's going to become a free agent looking for a good opportunity. And, you know, you can just sign him and you don't have to give up any draft picks. And, you know, you just throw a number at him and off you go. Uh, But, you know, they probably don't think that, hey, we can get Derek Carr because now it looks like Josh McDaniels really wants Derek Carr. And they're probably not going to be able to get Kirk Cousins because it really seems like Minnesota is going to hang on to Kirk Cousins. And, you know, all of these other ones, like Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I don't look at him necessarily and view him as much of an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. So that one, that one doesn't do it for me as much as, you know, some of the other ones that I find intriguing, like a Derek Carr, if, if they don't, you know, get the extension uh, that they want and he becomes available, that's one we've talked about it many times. That's one that if I were the Browns, I would think about making that deal. But absolutely, they have to do all of their due diligence on every single one of these guys and the rookies too. Okay, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll spend some of Jimmy Haslam's money. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey, Mary Kay edition. And let's start with Jadavian Clowney. You mentioned his future. Uh, of course, he's headed to free agency. The Browns got a, got a steal in Clowney last year. One year, $10 million. Uh, they got nine sacks out of him. 
you, you mentioned here that he's a guy that kind of marches to his own drummer. We remember last year he didn't sign until late. Uh, actually, it was early by his standards, but it was late by most other standards. How are the Browns going to approach this? Is there a number that's too much for Clowney? Like, do they kind of want to land in that 10 to 12 million range, or would they go 15, 16 million on a shorter term deal for him? Well, if you look at what the, the good pass rushers got last year, the numbers were sky high in free agency. You had to pay up to get a guy who can go out there and deliver nine sacks for you. So I don't think they're going to get him at a bargain basement price this year. He had been coming off of uh, a torn uh, meniscus in his knee. Uh, he hadn't played much last season at all. And so, uh, you know, they, they got him at, at quite the bargain and got a lot out of him. But those days are over. He's now back in the coveted arena. And so I don't think you're even going to get him for $12 million a year. I think you're going to have to pay him at least $15 million a year. Now, I think they would prepare, be prepared to do that for a year because they know what he brings. They know what he can do. He works in this system. Chris Kiffin is back as defensive line coach. So you're pretty much going to have the same dynamic. He compliments Miles well, and it works. So I think they would be willing to do that. Um, maybe they even do it in such a way where, uh, you know, there's a few incentives to get him where he needs to be. I mean, look what he did in the final two games of, of this year when he had uh, big money on the line, 500000 and 500000 So, um, So I think they would be willing to pay him that. But here's the tricky part of this. If he decides to take his time, you know, they're going to have to be a little careful about that because you don't want to be left, you know, with holding the, the empty chair. So they're going to have to figure out, do we, do we take that risk and wait and see what he's going to do? Or, um, you know, or do we try to go out and sign somebody else? Now, the thing with Jadavian now is now he knows what he's dealing with in Cleveland. I don't think he's going to keep them waiting. I don't think he's going to keep them hanging. I think he's going to have to, to kind of give them a very strong indication of what his intentions are one way or the other. So hopefully, hopefully for all involved, uh, they'll just get him wrapped up and go on their merry way. Well, and the other thing that Clowney is, is probably considering, too, is that this is probably it as far as paydays go. I mean, if there's somebody out there who's willing to go longer with him, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that you could go out and get like a four-year deal necessarily with, with his injury history, but this is kind of his last chance to really get a big, big payday. So, I, I mean, I'm sure he's considering that, too. Yeah, yeah, that probably has something to do with it. And it almost seems like he doesn't mind doing the – sort of the shorter one-year deals yeah. because he's, he's just cashing in. <laughs> he just, you go to the next place and the next place and you're getting, you know, all this guaranteed money. And so it's actually worked out quite well for him. Uh, but I think he did like it here. Uh, you know, there are other considerations that guys think about in terms of family, weather, where you want to live, who you want to play for. Uh, you know, he, he loves certain coaches that he's played for uh, in his career. So um so we'll have to see where this one goes, but that's another one where I would imagine uh, that, that Andrew will get a little clarity on it in Indy. Okay. Last topic. And uh, this is the one I got some of our football insider subscribers riled up last night, because when I, when I was reading this column and you wrote about David Njoku and the, the subhead here is David Njoku set to hit the jackpot um, is you said the Browns would be willing to pay him double digit millions. Uh, this season that would put him among the top I believe eight I gotta look it up the top eight 
tight ends as far as annual average is uh, is concerned. Another note here is Spotrack is projecting the tight end franchise tag number to be $11 million. So that could be in play as well if the Browns don't even want him uh, to hit the open market. Double digit millions, Mary Kay, is a lot of money for, for David Njoku. And that's a big, big bet on him kind of delivering on that potential they saw back in 2017 that we just haven't seen consistently. Uh, the way I the way I said it to my subscribers is, or, or to the to my subscribers, to the Football Insider subscribers is, uh, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't pay him that much money. I'd let somebody else pay him that much money. I don't know who you're negotiating against, but the Browns uh, appear willing to do it. It sounds like. Well, yes, I, they're willing to do it. They've been talking about it for a while. Uh, this is one that actually could get done sooner than later, um, and. Um, and here's the thing to remember, once again, with David Njoku, not one pass catcher on this football team fared well last season when Baker was in the midst of his worst career season. Nobody had the production that they're capable of. And I've been saying this for a long, long time. And I think I was one of the first, you know, amongst our group uh, to say, you know, to talk about David in that way, to talk about him in terms of an eight touchdown a year kind of guy. Um, but you, you have to be the number one tight end to get that kind of production. You have to be. So um, if they pay him like that, I think that they're pretty much viewing him as the number one tight end. And I think he's gotten a lot better in areas, including blocking, catching, everything. I, I think he's gotten better. Um, but what he didn't have last year necessarily was uh, a quarterback who was at peak efficiency. So, I, you know, it, whether it's Baker or someone else, I do think that David is capable of a ton more than what we've seen so far. When I say double digit millions, I don't mean 16 million, but I mean, to get into the 10 or $11 million a year range, that's where he's going to land, whether it's with the Browns or someone else, I believe they're prepared to pay it. I think he's worth it. Uh, if you're viewing him, uh, you know, pre pretty much as your number one tight end. I, I just don't know if he's that. I mean, so here, here's the guys who make double digit millions per year. And one of them is Austin Hooper. And of course, the Browns would have to make a decision there. That, that's obviously been a, a giant disappointment there. Uh, but his two years of production before he signed with the Browns was almost equal to what Najoku's career production has been. Uh, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. And you've got uh, Logan Thomas, Kyle Pitts are, are both around $8 million. Darren Waller's around 7 and a half. Then you're getting into the Tyler Higby, Jack Doyle. You know, you're getting more into, I guess, kind of where I view the Najoku range, CJ Uzama. Um, I just, I can't put him in the class with those other tight ends that make more than 10 million a year outside of, you know, again, we're talking about Austin Hooper, but that, that was more a situation where you were paying for past production and it, he just hasn't delivered since he signed with the Browns. Well, you know, timing is everything. Because I agree with you, he's not yet up there in that upper echelon of tight ends. He, he's not there. When you mention those names, I mean, it's pretty obvious, uh, just from an, even a number standpoint, that he is not that. Um, but if you're about to hit the free agent market, that's the number you're going to command. Because that's where, that's where you're at right now. Tight end, the tight end market has, you know, has gotten pretty hot. And with the way all of these tight ends have played over the last few years, 
uh, it's now becoming a more premium position than it used to be. People are looking for them. People want them. They want to incorporate that, uh, that element into their offense and they're, will, they're going to be willing to pay up. So somebody's going to pay him. And um, I think it's probably going to be going to be the Browns. And then, as you mentioned, then they will need to make a decision on Austin Hooper. Do they, do they want to move forward with two tight ends making, you know, double digit millions, or do they want to, you know, kind of take a look at that a little bit and see where that one goes? Is there a chance they franchise tag him? Yeah. At at least just, at least just to extend that negotiating window. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There is that chance because you're going to pay him that much anyways, you know, why not go ahead and do that? I mean, you're going to land at that point. It's not like the franchise tag is, you know, way out of whack and, and it's not, um, it's not worth it. So yeah, that, that's definitely something that could happen. Okay. There we go. Uh, check out Mary Kay's insider column. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, we want, it's at cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, and that's also where you can become a football insider subscriber. It's the blue banner at the top of the page there. And we're going to be bringing you pods every single day from Indianapolis at the Combine. So make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Mary Kay, I will see you in Indianapolis. Sounds good.